Hey everybody, episode three, woohoo! So this week we talked to James Norman from the Civil Engineering Department. Uh, he clarifies some terms about what exactly is civil engineering. Uh, he tells us all about his love of concrete and his newfound love of timber. Um, we discuss why architects shouldn't get all the credit. And we talk about some of his own personal projects and things he's worked on as well. Um, this interview took place in Coffee and Beer on Cotham Hill. Uh, so there's some ambience, let's say, some noisy baristas, some cars, some chatter, but it but it adds to the atmosphere. Um, let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at LWYD underscore UOB. And yeah, enjoy. Thank you. My name is James and I am the Programme Director of Civil Engineering at the University. Awesome, that's nice and concise. So what, what brought you to Civil Engineering? Why did you want to be a... Why did I want to be a Civil Engineer? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, when I was doing my A-levels, mm-hmm. uh, I think I started waking up to what was going on in the world. Okay. And we did, there was a big sort of nationwide thing called the Model United Nations, which was predominantly attended by people from private schools, yep. but it was held in Bath. And so my little local comp also sent a team of people along to this Model United Nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started going along to that and started representing countries and getting interested in kind of different countries and what was going on in different countries. And I think someone kind of gave me the, the this fact that, you know, if you want to transform people's lives and increase life expectancy and all of that other stuff the number one thing you can do is provide clean water like okay, and yeah. sewerage and it doesn't sound very yeah. sexy and everyone assumes like medicine is like they're gonna yeah. transform people's lives but actually just giving people clean water and sewerage is like the most important thing to do so yeah. it turns out that that's what civil engineers do so I went to university to double civil engineering mm-hmm. thinking I would work in that area and then I found out it wasn't really my favorite <laughs> So that's fine because I, I discovered I love build, designing buildings instead. Okay. So I left, kind of, I went in thinking that's what I was going to do, but left realizing that I was going to design buildings instead. So. Okay, then you're going to have to define civil engineering for me though, because I thought mm. it kind of encompassed building and like architecture and that kind of thing, but I guess not. No, no, it definitely does. Yeah. So civil engineering is an absurdly broad subject. Okay. So it, it's kind of core disciplines are water, mm-hmm. whether that, but that even water in and of itself is hugely broad. So mm-hmm. that could be sewerage, it could be um, providing clean water, tr- treating water, very kind of that sort of stuff. But also looking at things like flooding or right, could be yeah. looking at predicting rainfall or it could be looking at how much water we have in the ground. So a lot of my colleagues are very interested in the amount of water in the ground in developing countries oh, wow. and like how much of the resource have they got left because obviously water scarcity is a really big issue at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, so it, it, on the water side, it covers that. It's what I would call structural engineering, which is the bit of building design that is proving the thing stands up. Okay, So yep. I work with architects, but it also covers stuff in the ground. Mm-hmm. So in building design, that's making sure your building doesn't sink into the ground. Yep. But that also covers things. So one of my colleagues works in landslides mm-hmm. and looking at 
landslides in developing countries where you've got informal communities that are living on wasteland effectively. Okay. And there are often landslides where there's heavy rainfall and people die, which is awful. Yeah. And so she's working with the World Bank to look at how do we mitigate these problems and prevent these landslides from happening. Yeah. Um, so it, it basically anything big, it could be bridges, it could be tunnels, anything big. Okay. It's probably civil engineering. Gotcha. So you went from wanting to kind of build water and sewerage to then yeah. designing buildings. Yeah. So tell me more about that. What buildings have you built? What buildings have I built? <laughs> so I, um, I've worked on quite a few. The most famous is probably the Tate Modern. Oh, wow. Um, so I didn't work on the original Tate Modern, but I worked on the extension to the Tate Modern. So they've okay. just opened a 300 million pound extension. Oh, wow. And my role was, I just did it for a year. I was working on the facade, which is the kind of the outside skin of the building. So yeah, the yeah. Tate Modern has got this really unusual facade because it's got all these bricks mm -hmm. and the bricks, I'm kind of moving my hands around like people can see, but they can't. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but the bricks kind of are, um, are not stacked in the normal way. They're stacked so that there's lots and lots of holes. Okay, right. And then, um, so it's, I, I always think of it as like a lace dress. Okay, I think I know what you mean. I feel like I've seen buildings like that. Yeah, and then interestingly, the architect has put windows inside this brick facade. So you, when you're inside right. the building, when you look out, you actually see this lace dress of bricks, oh, cool. which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also really fun. Oh, that's very cool. Okay, so you helped to build that. So I designed it. So I, oh, wow. I, I do the numbers and the drawing and the, all of that stuff. I'm nice. not very practical. I can't actually put things together. You can just, yeah, you can imagine it and someone yeah. else makes it a reality. Kind yeah, of thing. that's very cool. Nice. Okay, so then what brought you into teaching? So you've gone from designing buildings to now teaching people how to design yeah. buildings. So my, my very quick plotted history is I did three years in industry when I graduated. I then got a job doing a PhD at mm -hmm. Bristol um, and I looked at earthquakes and bridges oh, wow. for three years and really I did that job because I wanted to get into teaching at university and my understanding was you had to have a PhD to teach okay. at university. Um, so I did that for three years and when I finished that I went back into industry and carried on designing buildings but started teaching a day a week. Okay. So during my PhD I started teaching undergraduates how to design buildings because I that's kind of what I've been doing for my day job so yeah. I just carried on doing that and for about eight years I think I taught people how to design buildings a day a week and the other four days I worked in industry wow. and then four years ago I stopped and went full-time wow. into teaching which is great really really fun that's awesome that's quite yeah. a big jump from teaching one day a week to now teaching five days a week yeah so why do you love civil engineering why, why do, do you I love civil you engineering know, why do you want to teach people because um, well I think civil engineering transforms the world really mm -hmm. and it's a power for good and a power for evil uh, so it you know we are responsible for a lot of the carbon emissions in terms of a lot of our buildings are responsible both in building and also in use for a lot of the carbon emissions and being able to change that is really important we're responsible for providing people with clean water roads infrastructure you know kind of um, and I think most people take a lot of that stuff for granted but actually it's pretty transformational. Like, the yeah. world without that stuff is very, very different. Yeah, we wouldn't have anything really, no. right? Absolutely. And I remember one of my colleagues, when I was working, one of my colleagues did a year in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. So this is going back now, probably 2002, and he was working for an organisation at the time called Red R, 
and he came back after his year and was explaining what it was that they'd been doing and uh, what they'd been doing is effectively going out and trying to rebuild infrastructure in Ethiopia because there'd been a long civil war there yeah. and part of the strategy of the, the government during that long civil war was to strip out infrastructure right. because it stops people collaborating, working together, trading, okay. all of those things yeah, yeah. which you like so it's interesting because I think a lot of my students don't think of engineering as being particularly political or yeah, ethical. Yeah, yeah. When so. you realise the political and ethical ramifications of kind of removing engineering, yeah, of course. you go, oh, maybe this is kind of a bit more complex than I first thought. You know, I think we're just so used to it, it's just all taken for granted, so we don't see the impact not having it would yeah. even have. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you've got things like what buildings you can build where and if people want you to build them and yeah, surely yeah. there's a lot to go on around that like i know i think there was a joke about the scene i'm trying to think of here is the kevin smith movie clerks when the two main characters are discussing return of the jedi and uh, how the death star was destroyed mid-construction which meant a lot of the contractors were actually innocent victims um you can look it up on youtube it's a good scene but anyway back to it I was in a program I remember seeing about them being asked to design a house for a member of the mafia or something. Okay. And they were like, do I do it though? Because it's the yeah, money, yeah. but he's a bad guy. And you know, it's like the politics yes. you don't think about. You just want yes. to do the job. But <laughs> yeah. I'd love it if my students left Bristol feeling like they could say no to jobs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they're about more than just the money. Yeah, absolutely. That would be an amazing outcome. But it's bold. It takes courage to say no to doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not easy to do. But yeah, that, that would be a good outcome for my mind. What is your favourite thing about civil? I've written in my notes. Is it concrete? I do love concrete. <laughs> I really do love concrete. Why? Because it's like foundational to society okay. like the foundations of every building in this country with a very small number of exceptions are made from concrete okay um, sewers large sewers are made from concrete um, sewage works are made from concrete some roads are made from not all but some roads are made from concrete and some of the most astonishing buildings are made from concrete and actually concrete is in my mind it's um, it's a material, mm -hmm. yeah. and I like to imagine it's just a very pliable material, so I like to think of artists. We don't blame paint if an artist does a bad painting. Yeah. We okay. blame the artist. Yeah. And yet people have this weird relationship with concrete where they blame concrete if it's been applied badly, but actually the potential of it is phenomenal. Probably the best buildings in the world are Amazing. made out of concrete. I never thought of it like that. You're right. I, I know you hear all the time about these kind of, you know, like past architecture where they built a lot of, I'm going to say, horrible looking buildings out of concrete. Yeah, um, I think I'd probably love the same buildings, but okay. I, I imagine so. But you know, I, I've just got like very... Yeah, yeah, brutalist, yeah, I'm imagining. And sharp angles and yeah, lots all of, of that. pillars. And yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of that. But yeah, you wouldn't blame material you've been no. um, okay that said i'm on a new mission right what so I'm, I'm pro timber so oh, I, I i love concrete uh -huh. but i'm also aware of its environmental impact and it's right. kind of large carbon footprint and all that sort of stuff oh, okay so i'm, I'm on, a, on a mission to get people designing out of timber instead 
Right, I see. So the comes of concrete. I was under the impression it was just kind of sand and water and whatever mm. makes the concrete. But what's what's the environmental cement. impact of it? Okay, so what? And cement is limestone. Okay. Well, Roughly, there's other things. Limestone heated up to a very high temperature. Mm -hmm. So typically, uh, I should remember my own notes, but somewhere in the order of 1,400 degrees. Okay, wow, well, yeah, that's hot. And then it's ground up into a powder. Mm -hmm. And then when you add water, it reactivates the reaction. It kind of bonds back with everything around it. Right, I see. So that's a hugely energy-intensive process to create yeah. cement. Right. Um, and then there's also transportation, but that's a lot less. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the making of cement that is... Okay. That's both the magic ingredient. Yeah. Because it's it's called the binder. It kind of sticks everything together. Yeah, yeah. But it also is where there is a lot of energy and CO2 effect. Yeah, yeah, of course. So when you're looking at timber then, you're looking at it sustainably. So yeah. from kind of forest uh, regrown or are you looking at yeah. recycling that kind of thing what i just i'd like more engineers to be able to design out of it okay i'm not anti-concrete or steel i think they're both excellent materials but i think engineers should have a palette of materials that they're able to use so like an, an artist they should be adept at using all these different materials and they should be able to use the right one in the right situation okay. yeah. so i don't think we should have built the shard out of timber Right. Um, that was built out of steel and that's yeah, yeah. the right decision. Yes, yeah, yeah. But a lot of low-rise housing and office buildings could be built out of timber rather than mm -hmm. out of steel or out of concrete. And at the moment, often that conversation just never happens. Mm -hmm. Just people assume they jump straight to either steel or concrete yeah, because yeah. that's all... What they know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they build a lot of houses in America with timber, right? Yeah, they, they do. a lot of timber facing. Yeah, they do. That's really interesting. And apparently in Scotland. Really? More houses are built out oh. of timber. Oh, that is interesting because I always thought in America they were built out of timber because of the kind of insulation wise, they didn't need it to be as warm because okay. it's in usually in hot uh, parts of the country, but in Scotland it's freezing. So you yeah, you can insulate a timber building really well. Oh, really? Mm. Is it a, a material that's coming into the forefront? Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so definitely. we should expect to see a lot more. Hopefully. Okay. Good, good. Whether you would know it though. Okay. I mean, well, this building, this extension could be made from timber. Yeah. Or it could be steel, or it okay. could be, it's probably block work, so concrete blocks. Yeah, yeah. But you never know. No. And actually, a lot of buildings you never know what they're really made from. Oh, it's all hidden away. By the time you've plastered and painted it. Yeah, exactly. It could be and all that stuff. But one of the nice things about timber is you can choose to expose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if you think of all old houses with exposed beams. And, yeah, yeah. And They're beautiful. Yeah, actually, that's a good point because everyone's like bare floorboards are in and yeah, yeah like aesthetics. Yeah. And I mean, this is plastic on the floor, but yeah. it's still made to look like timber. Yeah, exactly. Because people love the way timber looks. Yeah. Which I think is good. Yeah, it's cheaper, right, as well? Cheaper? Yeah. It's more honest. Mm -hmm. um, I like that, honest. It's a nice way of describing it. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay then, go. what is the worst thing about civil engineering for you? Oh, crumbs. <laughs> what is the worst thing about civil engineering? So I'm going to, this probably isn't the worst, there's lots of things that could be questioned or mm -hmm. thought about, just picks up on a conversation I was having with a friend this morning. Mm -hmm. So this morning we were just talking about communication and the importance of communication. 
and basically in other fields, so especially architecture, architects are really good at describing the creative process. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so a very small percentage of an architect's job is creative. They don't tell people that. That's not that's not like they're 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 like front okay. runner. Yeah, yeah. But actually, architecture practices have to produce a huge number of very boring drawings. Yes. So door schedules, window schedules, toilet setting out drawings. You know, and yeah. I know because I've seen them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they never talk about that. They talk about like the creativity. They talk about okay. the inspiration. They talk about like the narrative behind the building design, all of that sort of stuff. I think probably the worst thing about civil engineers is that we can't talk about what we do in a way that other people understand. Okay. So we love to talk about technical challenges and details and equations and all of this stuff. Yeah, the problem yeah. is no one else understands what we're talking about. Right. And we never ever teach or learn how to communicate the other bits. Okay. And it's not that that stuff isn't important because it really is. Yeah. So I was just reflecting on our final year design project. So they design a building, a real building or a real thing. So they do all of these things and then yeah. we get them to write a report and then at the end of it every student has to do a technical annex. Okay. And the technical annex basically picks the most technically challenging bit of their projects mm -hmm. and gives them a chance to explain really how they've designed it and how it works okay. and it's a chance for them to show off their technical skill. Yeah, yeah. Which is brilliant and engineers are really good at talking mm -hmm. to other engineers about what they do and how hard it is and how complicated it was and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Problem is, no one else understands. Right. Okay. And yeah, so yeah. we've never learned, and we never teach, and we've not kind of acquired the skill to kind of do the other bit. Right. And architects have technical challenges as well, but they never talk about them. Yeah. They talk about creativity and narrative, and they talk about you know yeah, yeah. the delight in their building and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas we never talk about that stuff, but we still are creative people. Actually, yeah, yeah. Our projects and our work is just as a creative. It's just we've never learned to talk about that. We've just learned to talk about the technical and the challenge and the challenges we've overcome because we think that's the thing that other people value but I think generally most people aren't listening. Right, yeah, yeah, so you need you need almost a, like a layman's or almost like an emotive, descriptive way of describing yeah. it so people can Absolutely. get to the heart of it and really understand how you're, yeah. like why you're getting excited by these equations or the technicals. Yeah. Or that. maybe we just need to not talk about the equations at all. Maybe it's <laughs> yeah. okay that there is all this kind of high-level intellectual stuff that happens and the thing we talk about is not that, it's actually the inspiration behind our design, how yeah. we reach the design, the narrative, you know, maybe we need to learn to communicate in the same way that architects communicate. They only talk about a very small proportion of yeah. their work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe we need to learn to talk about that bit and connect with people. Maybe we don't, but I feel like, or at least yeah. may, if we had the skill and the gift to do both mm. and we can then work out which to use where. Yeah, yeah. You want to be able to like go to a party and talk about what you love yeah. in a way that doesn't cause someone to just phase out yeah, and absolutely. start staring across the room and hope that someone else sure. will come and save them. For sure. So why I do agree. you think that is though? Why do you think that architects have found a way to talk about their work? Because they're trained. Right. Oh. I mean, it's right through their course. Oh. And actually, I don't think many undergraduate architecture courses focus on toilet setting out drawings and window schedules and door schedules, they focus on the narrative, they focus on that part of the design process. They learn the other bit when they go into the real world and they actually have to do the design work and then they go, oh, this is not quite what I thought I was letting myself yeah. in for. So 
so is architecture cast more like an almost like an arts subject mm -hmm. and whereas engineering does come under the science so yeah yeah definitely that's interesting you, yeah definitely. but so, i think we're both fans and I, it drives me nuts when people say that we're one or the yeah. well they don't say the other that we're never described as artists no but but we, we should be yeah because it's creativity it is creative and actually i have talked to a number of the student built fellows this year mm -hmm about um, they're doing, who've done liberal arts degrees. Yeah. And they've been telling me that a lot of their friends are civil engineers just by complete chance. Mm -hmm. And they're amazed at how creative the projects that their civil engineering counterparts are working on. They were like, we thought we'd be doing really crazy creative stuff doing a liberal arts degree, but your yeah. guys seem to be doing stuff that's as creative, more creative, and no one imagines that from no. Engineers. No, you don't. You do think of it as almost like a very... Like, if I was going to put a colour to it, I would say grey. And that sounds... Grey is fine. Any, yeah, yeah, grey is colour concrete, so I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. I love a bit of grey. But, you, you know what I mean? It, it does feel mm. numbers and angles and things like that, and I wouldn't yeah, yeah. imagine... But, yeah, no, that's really interesting. I like thinking about it like that and creating yeah. it. And, cool. and I think maybe the, the downside of that, because I think civil engineers are amazing. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think they're incredible. And I think they're really deeply... Not biased at all. <laughs> absolutely unbiased. I think they are incredible. And I think they are an untapped resource. Okay. Like, there are no civil engineers in government or you know like yeah, yeah and there's no civil engineers making policy decisions and it's because no one really realizes the the sort of the depth of their thinking the creativity around their thinking the kind of the ingenuity around it like yeah because they just don't celebrate it in a way that anybody other than engineers understands which is sad yeah that is really sad but partly we've got ourselves to blame because we spent a long time not telling people. We're okay. really bad at telling people how good we are. <laughs> oh no, you're very you're a modest bunch. Yeah, not me. Okay, well no, we, they need people like you, right? You're they need people that. to champion yeah. civil engineers, yeah. absolutely. You'd advocate for it. Yeah. Okay, so that leads on nicely to my next question then about like myths and misconceptions around civil engineering. So, mm. like I was saying, I think of Grey and you're saying there's yeah. creativity, but are they represented like in popular culture? Are there any things that like, you see and it gets you angry that you're like, that's not us, we're not like that? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many civil engineers have you come across in popular culture? Yeah, that's very There's true. a guy who gets the blueprints in Arlington Avenue, is it called? Or Arlington Road, sorry. He uses, he studies these blueprints for years, uh, like okay. structural engineering drawings, right. which he then uses to, as a terrorist attack to blow up their building. Okay. That's about the only time I can remember a structural engineer being like profiled in a film. <laughs> Like that, that feels like the sum total of our... So they're misrepresented. They're not, well, they're not, they're underrepresented. They're underrepresented. Just, we need to see more. Hey everybody, me again. Just want to say a quick Google has revealed that The Bridge on the River Kwai is also a film that apparently every civil engineer should watch. Um, it's about English World War II prisoners who are forced to build a bridge. But anyway, uh, bridges and films. Woohoo! Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you would make a film then about that would involve civil engineering, what would mm. it be about? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? Because there is the that, that therein lies the 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 rub, doesn't it? That, yeah. That's a hard thing to answer. 
How would you get people hooked? What's the most exciting story? Like, there must be some though, you know, like mm. in failure and you need that, the roller coaster of like, you've come up with this great idea, but oh no, something's gone wrong, but don't worry, we're going to save it. And yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they try and do that in grand designs, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's They try and have the roller coaster of human emotion, but often it's exaggerated a lot because mm -hmm. we're a very uh, generally structural engineers are a conservative bunch mm -hmm. because it turns out people get really upset if their buildings fall down yeah i can understand yep. yeah <laughs> so so upset that we try and make sure it never ever ever happens yep and to do that we uh, tend to have a habit of making things safer than they really need to be gotcha so the reality is, uh, I mean, most of the most of the excitement mm. is in people suing each other for delays on projects and stuff right. like that, which is not something that you want in a movie. You know, that's like just the grimmest, the most boring. But law and order. Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which I really don't think would go down at all. Uh, we'll pitch it to CBS. See what they say. Yeah, I think it's not going to work. I, it must be such a sense of achievement when the thing that you've come up with and designed is suddenly real. Yeah, it really is. Yeah? My family are sick of me taking them to see buildings I've designed. That's amazing! <laughs> they really hate it now. This is why you need a TV programme though, because now you can bore yeah, everyone. Everyone, this is what I've designed. <laughs> and you talk about misrepresentation, I think architects do often speak on behalf of engineers and say stuff that I would quite strongly disagree with. Oh, really? So there was a programme, I think, on Radio 4, this may be completely libelous and made up, but I'm pretty sure I watched it or listened to a programme on Radio 4 about concrete, yeah. and everyone they spoke to was an architect. Oh. And you're like, well, hang on, well, hang on a minute, they, they are involved, but the yeah, person yeah. who really made it, designed it, made it stand up, they're not architects. Yeah. No. And you failed to talk to anyone in that category. That's not. Which is a bit rubbish. Yeah. And yeah, building design generally, architects are asked to go on panels and talk about things and engineers are not. I've yeah. noticed this. Oh no. Um, is it because architect sounds a bit sexier than yeah, engineer? Definitely. When you think of an architect, you think of someone sitting in like a high rise office, yeah, like yeah. completely glass with a big wooden drawing board. Yeah, you do. And yeah. Mm, you think of an artist. Yeah. Yeah. You think Just of someone who's with got rulers and pencils yeah. yeah. Someone who's got stuff to say about Yeah. yeah. So maybe clarify for me, so architects are the people that design it and you're the people that say whether it's going to work or not. And so, how do you put it? So, <laughs> I like to think of building design as a team effort. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need a whole group of specialists. Mm -hmm. And the architect's job is special because they are more of a generalist, so they have to kind of work with all these other specialists. Mm -hmm. So the structural engineer's job is to make sure it stands up. Right. And you've got an acoustician who makes sure that the acoustics are good. Mm -hmm. And you've got a building services engineer or normally team who makes sure that the temperature is right and that there's good airflow through the building. And you've got a QS, a quantity surveyor, who makes sure that you can afford it. They cost the building. And then you might have a landscape architect who makes sure that all the stuff around is good, a civil engineer who might do the drainage and the roads and the whatever bits and pieces. And all of these people come together as a team and they collaborate mm -hmm. and they work. Now, it is possible for the architect to say right I've, I've done it all here it is you as a team just tell me does it work or not okay and that does happen yeah, yeah. 
but those are horrible jobs to work on. Right. And, they, and, and you, you miss opportunity because you've got a, a non-specialist basically telling a specialist this is how it should work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it may well work like that, but there's probably a better way for it to work. Yeah. So the best projects are ones where you all come together right at the very beginning and you all work together and it's a genuinely collaborative process and you all bring your expertise, your ideas, and you create something amazing. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so I'd never realised until you listed all of those roles how much work goes into a building. Yes, it's a lot. So do you go into buildings and are you like, oh no, this wasn't done well? Like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> oh, no. And I go into buildings and go, this is amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's very Both cool. and. So what, um, what mm. direction do you see engineering, civil engineering heading in? Like, especially with now where we're looking more at sustainable and kind mm-hmm. of... So, I would love to see uh, more timber buildings, mm-hmm. like we discussed, yep. and I would love to see us using, reusing more buildings as well. And actually one of the reasons for getting an engineer involved in a project very early is that they are able to advise on reuse. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because one of the big questions is, is, is this suitable? Can I reuse this building? Is it strong enough? Is it, you know, kind of safe in this new situation yeah, yeah. and often on what we would call brownfield sites so this yeah. is a, a site which has already got existing stuff on it mm-hmm. often by the time an engineer is involved the decision to knock it all down and start again has already been made oh, right. so no one has ever thought about is this yeah. whereas actually i think we should i mean we should be reusing a lot more yeah so i'm excited about reuse i think it's really really important do you, do you see buildings that have kind of been closed down and do you start to imagine what you could do with it? Like, I do. If I had that building. I do, but, but they never become that. But yeah, I do. Um, definitely. But actually, there, therein lies one of the big problems in that when a building... Buildings typically should stand up for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. But where they come into difficulty is often when they are left unoccupied for a long period of time because then people start looking after them you start to get water coming in which might lead to damage and corrosion and actually often we can't reuse buildings because they have been mishandled not during use but kind of in that time when they just are lying empty yeah yeah, yeah. which is really frustrating yeah you just think actually if people looked after the asset kind of even when it's empty, and it doesn't take a lot. No. But I worked on one project where um, there was two, a two-year period between the, the previous owner selling this building and the new client mm-hmm. building with it, and there was quite a lot of you know, wrangling and talking to planners and all of this. But in yep. that two-year period, people had basically been on the roof. They'd stolen a lot of the lead off the roof. Yep. Water had gushed through the building, and as a result, all the timber work, which would have been fine two years previously, had to basically be all removed and replaced, and a yeah. huge expense. Yeah. You're saying, well, if, if you just spend a little bit more time and effort looking after the building, it, you, you could have saved so much money, and it would have made it much easier to reuse it. Yeah. So we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot quite a lot in terms of making reuse harder by not looking after things. That almost summarises this culture we're in nowadays anyway, isn't it? Where once you're done with it, you just kind of throw it away and yeah. start again. Absolutely. So, yeah, it, it is a shame seeing all these. It is a shame. 
So, exactly. is there anything we would know in Bristol that has your name on it? Like anything we'd walk past and be like, oh, um, okay, so. No. Well, so I did a project at Bishop Road Primary School. Okay. It's not very exciting and it doesn't look very exciting, but oh. it was a nice project. Reused yeah. an existing building with a mixture of and some new classrooms and mm -hmm. new bits and pieces. It's quite an interesting project because we had to deliver the entire project from start to finish yeah. in under a year. So normally, so the Oxford Brooks I was working on for five years and wow. I didn't start at the beginning and I wasn't working on it at the end. Like yeah. it, it actually went on for a very long time. The yeah. Tate, I think if you were in it from the beginning to the end was something like 15 years. Oh my God. So wow. building projects take a long time. Yeah. So to work on a project which from someone saying I'd like to, basically I took a school and they wanted to add to the number of classrooms, so they mm -hmm. wanted to increase the number of classrooms by one across all year groups. Yeah. So that's seven new classrooms effectively. And so we went with that aim and in a year we it was open and oh the God. school were in it. So wow. this doesn't sound very rapid, like if you're into app design or something like yeah, that, yeah. you know, that in a year you can probably produce fifty, but for building design yeah. to go from nothing, blank sheet of paper pretty much, to yeah. in and using it and everything else, that's yeah. pretty fast. So I'm going to kind of move on to innovation entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, well, what do those words mean to you? So, I mean, I guess quite a few engineers are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. in the sense that after a while they leave big practices and set up their own firms and grow them. And so in that, there's a lot of entrepreneurship in that way, but they're not innovating in terms of they're not providing a new product. Yeah. They're just taking an existing service and replicating it. Yeah. And probably the biggest differentiator is the person leading it. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of a little bit of personality in yeah. engineering practices, especially small startup type engineering practices, and they tend to have a bit more of the, a flavour, you know, and a bit less bland and a bit more specific in what yeah. they try and do. So engineers do like to do innovation and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. There's also entrepreneurship, which is like innovating from within. So not. Okay this idea of rather than always starting a new business is yeah. actually innovating within your current business. Yeah. And I think that does happen a little bit too. But civil engineering is very slow to change. <laughs> it's like the slowest in the world. Oh, so no. slow. Like a new technology in civil engineering might be something that's happened in the last 10 years oh, rather wow. than the last 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, and partly maybe that's not always a bad thing because actually you know, rapid change isn't necessarily always great either. No. But it, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it's not rapidly moving. Is it because there's a lot of trial and error? So you're saying like you don't, mm. don't want a building to fall down. So is it, you have to do a lot of research and yeah. trial and make sure that the new technology is actually No, I don't work. think so. I think it's because so much money is involved. Right. Okay, yeah, and it's not yeah. it's not that people make lots of money, it's just mm. buildings are expensive. Mm. So if you walked into a coffee shop and they were offering you a new type of coffee yeah. and it was three quid, you might go, Oh that you know, three pounds, well, I'll give it a whirl, you know, and I yeah, might like yeah. it and it might be better and whereas if you're building yourself a one time, once in a lifetime new office building for your company that's mm. growing yeah. and you're spending thirty million pounds on it. Mm. You know that. Oh, let's just try this and see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll just get a different one. It's not really a conversation yeah. that you can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, of course. And then even people who want to be innovative, they then get into this conversation about, okay, well, 
projects start with lots of good ideas and then someone will come in and explain to you that actually if you just did it the normal way it might be cheaper yeah and cheaper isn't you're not saving a few pounds you might be saving millions of pounds and you yeah. go do you yeah. know what I, I'm really into being innovative but but actually and and I think the thing that puzzles me in all of that is uh, well it's not really a puzzle it's very obvious why but the people who are best placed to innovate yeah. is the public sector mm -hmm. the public sector plough millions of pounds into research yeah. they plough millions of pounds into building projects um, they could say we're doing all this new research in this area we'd like to see that implemented in our building projects yeah, yeah. but they don't why? And the reason why is because if your if Bristol City Council spend you know fifty million pounds on a new building development and it's a failure, yes, what happens? They everyone votes them out, and yeah, they you know yeah, so they're so terrified of um, yeah. perceived failure. They're so terrified of the headlines, you know, kind of uh, council flop over, you yeah, know, yeah. failed glazing on new development. Yeah, yeah, that, that they're like we'll stick with what we know works yeah so there's this massive pressure yeah you do and you do see like the videos of all these companies the ones that are using like shipping containers to mm -hmm. build homes on 3d mm -hmm. printing with concrete and yeah and i've followed i'm now following on twitter the company you spoke about in your lecture the hay bale yeah mod cell yeah 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 amazing and, and uh, white design craig white mm -hmm. So who's doing the stuff? Did you? I did a blog post recently about um, uh, housing in West, Norwest. Oh no, I haven't read that. Ah yeah. So okay. Craig is really a great guy. Yeah. yeah. And he's looking at. So he's looking at Norwest and providing housing into an already quite dense urban environment. Mm -hmm. And what he's trying to do is create housing opportunities for people who can't afford new houses. Amazing. Yeah, and yeah. so, like, kind of an example might be a single mum living at home with her parents mm -hmm. and is kind of financially trapped, can't leave her parents' house because she can't afford mm -hmm. their own place, but also would like their own space and would like to be able to bring up their child on their own rather than in, in the presence of their parents. And the idea is to have... Um, Craig's idea is to basically they're, they're, they're not caravans, but they're like caravans, these small dwellings yeah. which you can put on your old plot of land. Mm -hmm. And because they have wheels on them, they get around all sorts of planning oh, laws. because they're not permanent. Because they're not permanent dwellings. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. But they're not, they don't feel like caravans. They actually look fantastic. They oh, look really, wow. really beautiful. And the other thing is he's looking into microfinancing and community financing and yeah, yeah. kind of the economies around all of that stuff to enable this kind of uh, really great practice oh. to happen and enable people to have houses who desperately need them but yeah, uh, trapped and can't afford yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Plus is houses are straw bare and sustainable oh, wow. and everything else. Very cool. That's really, really awesome. Talking kind of about like these new ideas and that kind of thing, yes. how do you stay up to date with it all? Do you mm. subscribe to anything? Do you so I've been thinking about this a lot recently, mm -hmm. and the honest answer is I don't. Okay, fair enough. I've I've come I've come to peace with the fact that I don't, because yeah, yeah. there's only so much you can read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I figure I read quite a lot, so I generally read more than fifty books a year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But I just tend to not read in my field. I find it boring. Okay. 
okay, fair enough. I get excited about other things and <laughs> yeah, other places, yeah. and I think there are enough engineers who like reading about their field. Yeah. For it to be okay, I'm not worried about the future of engineering. But I don't know how many engineers are reading about the stuff that I read about. Okay. Maybe yeah. not so many. Okay. So that is, you know, in terms of creativity and idea generation and different perspective and understanding of different cultures and all of that stuff. Yeah. I think it just gives you that kind of different view on the world. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, so what stuff do you read then? <laughs> so I read, I read quite a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so generally the, 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 the key factor is it's short. Okay, right. Yeah. So I read a lot of short books because yeah. I like short books. Um, I've been reading quite a lot of South American fiction recently. Okay. Uh, what else do I read? I read graphic novels. I love graphic novels. So I have a subscription to like a, a graphic novel bookshop up in Nottingham and they send out their favourite book every month. Oh, that's cool. Which means you read stuff which is really variable. Mm-hmm. And I read things I would never ever choose for myself, but it's kind of interesting to sit there and read something that someone else has recommended and think about it and think about, okay, well, why wouldn't I have chosen this for myself and all that sort of stuff. Um, And then I read, yeah, just magazines. I read quite a lot of Mm non-fiction, but I try and not read non-fiction before bed because it wakes me up and gets me, my brain goes into overdrive. So I try and read other stuff at bedtime. That's very cool. So I read things like that rather than reading about advances in engineering, mostly. That makes sense, right? You don't. You need other interests, and you don't Definitely. have to have your life consumed by one thing. Yeah, so yeah. It, yeah, why not? I mean, it, this has come up a lot with the people I've spoken to you already about not dedicating your life to one thing because yes. it just eventually consumes you, or you get bored of it, or you just don't experience life as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And so. Yeah, these little, like uh, like I'm encouraging people to love what they do, but I want them to love lots of things. Yes. And just this little period in their life at university, love the thing they're studying, because yeah. why wouldn't you, like you're dedicating years of your life to it, so yes. love that, but also love things outside of it. And, yeah. and focus on the skills that you're learning. Yeah. Because yeah. it's often the skills rather than the knowledge that you take with you into whatever you do next. Yeah, yeah, because you can do anything after you've had a degree, right? You don't have to do what you studied. Absolutely. So, no, that is, it's a good point to make. Um, my kind of last question is, do you have any exciting things coming up in the future, either personally or with the university, any projects? Um, how do you mean, what do you mean by exciting? I don't know, what, it's up to you. What are well, your what classes exciting? What am I excited exciting? about? Um, so I guess... I'm excited about writing books. I like writing yeah. books. And I've written, or I'm writing three at the moment. Three books in one go? Well, so one is done. Okay. And that's on micro record labels. Okay. And I'm currently in the process of getting it published. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my spare time, I run a micro record label. Obviously. Oh, as in a small record. Yeah. But, okay, I was thinking, I couldn't figure out. Like thinking of tiny little labels, but okay. I'm like, oh wow, that's awesome. So that's exciting. So I'm really excited about that. Wow. And then I'm writing one at the moment on conceptual design of buildings. Okay. Which is that bit that we were discussing earlier, that the inspiration, the flair, the creative part of the process. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the process. Of, um, we're hopefully going to finish it by the end of 
this by end of August. Okay, wow. So that one will be done, and then I'm also writing one on timber engineering, like a like a, just a textbook. Okay, yeah. And the aim of the textbook is to take people from not knowing anything about timber engineering to be able to design buildings. Wow. Out timber engineering. That's so, very cool. Have you written many books? Before? So I've done one before this. Yeah. Which was also on timber. Okay. Uh, which was a conceptual design guide for timber buildings. Mm -hmm. So it was very, very technical. It's not for the faint-hearted. Okay. But for engineers, I'm hoping it's invaluable. Gotcha. So basically there's a building, like if you want something out of concrete, yeah. there is this amazing book uh, called the Economic Concrete Frame Guide, obviously, which doesn't explain at all what it is. But actually what it is, is a series of diagrams and tables which tell you that if you're designing a building this big, this is how big your columns need to be, this is how big your slabs need to be. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really helpful. Okay. So when people start a building design process, they grab this book and they say, right, I need one of those, one of those, one of those. Yeah, yeah. And that exists for steel and it exists for concrete, but it didn't exist for timber, which is one of the reasons people go and design buildings out of timber, because they don't really even know where to start. Yeah, yeah. So the idea was to create a book that helps people to know where to start. Nice. So it, it basically replicates that. So it's very geeky and it's not good bedtime reading and I'm hoping no one ever reads it from cover to cover because <laughs> me and the editors were both did and we both agreed that it was incredibly boring oh, but no. it's not designed to be that it's yeah. designed to be a reference guide you say right I want one of these and you can look in the tables and see how big it is oh. Oh, so you feel that little niche. Though. Yeah. That's very cool. So you sound like a very busy person though. We're teaching, writing books. Yeah. Mini micro record label. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention? I mean, I don't think so. I feel like we've covered it. You Have we covered everything you wanted to talk about? I've asked you all my questions and I think Okay. You sound very passionate about what you do, yeah. which is all I really wanted to get across. Great. Okay. So <laughs> I do really love what I do. It's amazing. Yeah, it comes across. It's oh, really good. nice. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Um, and yeah, awesome. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you. Great. <laughs>